Advent is not a time of sorrow and remorse. It's a time to prepare our hearts for something wonderful. So let's start celebrating. Let's open our hearts and place our anxieties in God's hands. No matter what else is going on in the world, the one thing all Christians must remember is that Jesus is coming. So we need to be ready. Welcome to the Real Word Podcast for the third Sunday in Advent, cycle C of the Roman Catholic Lectionary. I'm Brandon Jubar, and I'll be your guide as we walk through the readings for this week. It's an important process because we believe the scriptures are the inspired word of God. But to really be nourished by the word, we need to break it open and look a little deeper. We need to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Now, the messages I get from these scriptures might feel right to you, but you also might find that the Holy Spirit tells you something else, and that is absolutely all right. So if you're ready, let's dive in. As I said, tonight we'll be looking at the readings for the third Sunday in Advent, cycle C. Our first reading is from Zephaniah, chapter 3, verses 14 through 18a. Our second reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians. It's chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And our gospel reading is from the gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verses 10 through 18. Uh, Just a couple things to note. First, we have readings from both the Old and New Testaments. The prophet Zephaniah is from the Old Testament, or the Hebrew Scripture, while the letter to the Philippians is from the New Testament, or the Christian Scripture, as is our gospel reading. Tonight, we'll learn that you better shout, but you better not cry, and John's telling us why. Okay, let's start by going through the readings, and then we can talk about the messages we find. Our first reading is from the prophet Zephaniah. Sing, daughter Zion, shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. I will remove from you all who mourn over the loss of your appointed festivals. Their second reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians. Brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And our gospel is from Luke. What should we do then? The crowd asked John the Baptist. John answered, Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? 
Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, What should we do? He replied, Don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. All right, so let's take a first glance at these readings and we'll ask ourselves, what does it mean? What messages and meanings can we find if we dig around a little bit? So our first reading was from the book of Zephaniah. And this first reading is really a song of celebration. It describes the people rejoicing, rejoicing because they've found salvation. Well, to be precise, I think they're rejoicing for two reasons. First of all, the bad times are behind them, right? The prophet talks about their enemies being turned back and their punishment ending. But the second and more important thing is that God has returned. The Lord has returned to be with them. So they don't have to fear any harm. Heck, he says that God will even rejoice over you with singing. I mean, wow, God's going to be singing in celebration along with the people. How, how cool is that? Now, in case you don't know, Zephaniah, the prophet Zephaniah, is often called the prophet of doom. So having him paint this comforting picture of God is a bit out of character. Of course, maybe that's all the more reason to pay attention to it. One thing to understand about the Israelite culture at the time is that kings were, were thought to rule the people along with the Lord. So if the people started to doubt that the human king still had the Lord's favor, that king could very quickly find himself losing power. So is it any wonder that kings tended to despise the prophets? I mean, think about it. The Lord called prophets to point out what the people were doing wrong. And more often than not, they were doing wrong because their human kings and leaders allowed it or even promoted it prophets spoke truth to power. And if enough people listened, those powerful people could find themselves dethroned. What's often overlooked in this reading is that Zephaniah doesn't promise that some wise and wonderful human king is coming. He promises that the Lord will be the one who rules. And that's why this reading is important to us today. Just like the people described here, we have a reason to celebrate because we've discovered God in our midst through the Christ child. Forget all the other festivals. The birth of our Savior is the one we need to celebrate the most. So the main message I got from our first reading is that it's time to start celebrating. Just like the Israelites, we need to understand that the Lord has taken away our punishment and turned back our enemies. 
Does that mean life should be all unicorns and rainbows? Of course not. This is still the mortal world, so things just don't work that way. All the more reason for us to recognize that the Lord dwells among us. So it's time to start celebrating. Our second reading was from the letter to the Philippians. And this reading, just like our first reading, is full of rejoicing, which is a bit ironic since St. Paul was writing this letter from prison and he believed he'd be executed pretty soon. But even facing imminent death for his beliefs, he continued to encourage believers in Philippi, telling them to not only rejoice, but to to let their gentleness be evident to all. He didn't encourage them to make a show of strength. He didn't tell them to hide and be worried and anxious. No, instead he, he tells them to pray. Prayers of petition, asking for the Lord's help. Prayers of thanksgiving to show their thankfulness for their blessings. It's pretty clear that Paul is telling the Philippians and us today that life is just too dang short to spend our time worrying about everything. We need to get rid of the anxiety, which is a tough thing to do. It's, it's very easy to worry about almost anything. But here's the thing. If you don't control it, why worry? It doesn't help. And if you do control it, why worry? Just change it. You control it. Either way, worrying doesn't help. So St. Paul is telling us to stop. And instead of worrying, let's just take all of our needs to God. So the main message I got from our second reading is that it's time to stop worrying. If we figure out how to bring our needs to the Lord, then St. Paul says we'll receive the peace of God which will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful Christmas gift, if we can only find a way to accept it. Jesus is coming, so it's time to stop worrying. And finally, our gospel reading was from Luke, and it helps to understand what had just happened. In the reading today, we see the people asking John the Baptist what they should be doing while waiting for the Messiah. This isn't just a question to satisfy their curiosity. You see, John had just finished calling them a bunch of hypocrites who weren't actually sincere about their repentance. So John basically demands that they show their sincerity, that they demonstrate it through the very actions they take. One of the things I love about this reading is that John doesn't preach theoretical ideals and all the spiritual churchy stuff that we too often hear in homilies. Love your neighbor and do unto others and share the light of Christ. It's all wonderful stuff if you're making a wall plaque for grandma, but how do you actually do all of that? Well, John gives concrete examples, so there's no doubt what he expects. You, wealthy person, You have a lot of stuff, lots of clothing and food, so share it with people who don't have enough. You, tax collector, don't cheat people. You, soldier, stop being a bully and extorting money from folks. Be satisfied with what you've got. His point was that it's not enough to say you're sorry and repent in the old ways. You have to show you're sorry 
by changing your actions and being better to those around you. Now, because of John's words, some of these folks think he might be the Messiah. But John sets him straight right away and to, to demonstrate just how lowly he is compared to the Messiah. He says that famous line about not being worthy of untying the straps of his sandals. And John goes on to explain that baptism with water is really only the first step. The, the one who comes after John, Jesus of Nazareth, will baptize us with the fire of the Holy Spirit. When you bring these ideas together, it seems pretty clear that the best way to prepare for the coming of Jesus is to both repent of our sins and then live a good life. John gave the wealthy, the tax collectors, and the soldiers some concrete ideas on how to do just that. If you don't fall into one of those categories, then you probably need to ask the Spirit for some inspiration. Maybe during this season of Advent, we should ask ourselves and our God this question. What should we do while we wait? Anyway, the main message I got from our gospel reading is that Jesus is coming. John the Baptist wasn't just telling people to start living good lives for the sake of those around him. He was telling them how to get ready. One who is more powerful than I is coming. And if we don't want to be part of the chaff that's swept away into the unquenchable fire, then we need to prepare. We need to repent and ensure that our repentance is reflected in our actions because Jesus is coming. All right, let's sum up what we've talked about so far. In our first reading from the prophet Zephaniah, the main message I came away with was, it's time to start celebrating. In our second reading from Philippians, the main message I got was, it's time to stop worrying. And finally, the main message I got from our gospel reading was, Jesus is coming. Although we include repentance in the list of things we should do in order to prepare for the coming of Christ at Christmas, Advent should not be a time of sorrow and remorse. Yes, Advent is a time to prepare our hearts, but we're preparing for something wonderful. So let's start celebrating. Let's open our hearts in prayer and place our anxieties in God's hands. Because Advent shouldn't be a time of worrying and stress either. No matter what else is going on in the world, the one thing all Christians need to remember is that Jesus is coming. Now we need to get ready. So let's step back and take a second glance at these readings overall and ask ourselves if our path has become clear. To do this, I'd like to answer two questions. So what and now what? Okay, so what? Why should we care about any of this? Well, we should care about this because we're self-proclaimed followers of Christ. And if we really are Christians, then we have to do more than go through the motions. Going to Mass on Sunday isn't enough. Receiving the sacrament of reconciliation isn't enough. Praying the rosary or a novena isn't enough unless our actions demonstrate the love that we claim is in our hearts. We should care because this is a chance to really live what we claim to believe, and the world needs more of that, don't you think? And the last question I try to answer is, now what? What are we supposed to do? Where do we go from here? 
Christmas is a couple weeks away. Jesus is coming. So now we wait. I'm sure you've heard people say, don't waste your time waiting. I'm going to tell you something that sounds similar, but is really quite different. Don't waste your waiting time. This is our opportunity to get ready. So with that in mind, here's your real question for the week. What should you do while you wait? Unless you're a tax collector or a Roman soldier, I encourage you to spend some time with this one. If you've repented and are truly sorry for your sins, then you know what they are. So how can you make sure that your actions demonstrate to the world that you've changed? You've still got a couple weeks until Christmas, so what should you do while you wait? Well, before I wrap things up, I'd like to leave you with one more quote from Scripture. As you're pondering how to spend your time in a way that reflects the love in your heart, remember what we read in the first letter of John. It's 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. The best way to get ready for the coming of our Lord at Christmas is to make sure that we're walking the walk. All right, we've come to the end of our time here together. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back again next week. But in the meantime, I really do encourage you to just use this as a starting point. Spend some time with the Bible on your own. Read through a passage a couple of times. Think about it. Pray about it. Try to open up not only your mind, but your heart. Break open the Word and then listen to what the Holy Spirit says to you. The Real Word Podcast is brought to you by The Real Values Project, Real Youth Ministry, and The Real Values Framework. Real stands for respect, engage, accept, and lead. For more information on The Real Values, please visit keepingitreal.club. And finally, the Bible readings used for this podcast are from the Holy Bible, New International Version, copyright 1973, 1978, 1984, and 2011 by Biblica Inc. Used by permission, all rights reserved worldwide.